Okay, so this week we don't have a Parsha. Shabbos is going to be the second day of Shavuos, so we don't have a Parsha of the week. But, uh, so let's take uh, some time to talk about Shavuos a little bit. So what I want to do is address a very simple but profound question. It's not my question. It's been asked for centuries already. But let's introduce the question as follows. Give me the most prominent customs aspects of Shavuos that we have that are unique to Shavuos. Let's throw them out. What do we got? One, one at a time. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Yeah. Staying up all night. Excellent. One of the most prominent aspects is this custom of staying up all night. Somebody tell me, why do we have the custom? What are we supposed to do? Let me, let me take a step back. What are we supposed to be doing when we stay up all night? The answer is not eating. What are we supposed to be doing? Excellent. Learning Torah. Now, it helps Jews do better with food than without food. I assume most people are like that. We are definitely like that. But the evening is actually, I know this might be a surprise, the evening is not about cheesecake and it's not about steak or barbecue. It's about learning. Okay, now the next part of the question. Why is it that the custom of staying up all night became affiliated with Shavuos more than any other night or holiday of the year? And the answer, these are softballs I'm throwing out. And the answer to that is because? Excellent. That's what I was talking about. Because Shavuos commemorates when they received the Torah, and therefore we celebrate it in a manner consistent with that of staying up all night. The reason why we stay up all night is... A couple of different off, uh, answers have been given over the centuries, one of which is because of the great excitement that we have for this momentous occasion. How can you go to sleep? How? The, I mean, the morning comes, that's when we receive the Torah. How can a Jew fall asleep? Part of that is to make up for the fact that when we actually receive the Torah, the Medrash says the Jews overslept. That morning, Moshe had to wake them up. They didn't want. A whole to do so we sort of speak, like make up for that, and we stay up all night. Okay, well, leaving that aside, that's a whole topic unto itself, but good. The reason for this great custom of staying up all night is because it's a day they receive the Torah. Give me another custom relevant to Shavuos. Dairy, cheesecake. What, why is that? Why is that relevant to, to Shavuos? Land of, so some, we're on our, we were on our way to the land of milk and honey, but the more prominent reason given is... Now, all of a sudden, when we receive the Torah, we have a long list of things to do as far as kashering, as far as meat and shechita. Meat is very hard. Milk is a lot easier. The milk, so a custom developed that since we received all of these new laws, so we had to sort of address it and it was easier to, to have milk. So that's one of the main reasons. And again, what is that affiliated with that all of a sudden, why on Shavuos is there dairy and not on Pesach and not on Sukkot? This is when we receive the Torah. This is when all of the separation of milk and meat and everything happens then. So in commemoration of that, we have this idea of it. Okay, good. Give me another uh, custom. What do we lane? I'll throw them out. What do we lane? Rus. Very good. Um, That one isn't completely aligned with what I want to go with. That's, we we, each one of the Yom Tovim has the Ayantiv, but also affiliated very strongly with the idea of the giving of the Torah, the Davidic dynasty that comes from the chesed that's involved in the story of Rus as well. <clears throat> Very good. There's another. What do we lane before we even get to Rus? I know Rus actually comes first, then we lane the Torah. What's the laning of, of Shavuos? Anybody know? Which section of the Torah do we read on Shavuos morning? The first day of Shavuos? From the Torah itself. Shemos. It is from Shemos. It's from Shemos. The Aseris Hadibros, the Ten Commandments, is what we read on Shavuos. Why do you suppose the sages chose the Aseris Hadibros to read on Shavuos? 
Because that's what we got to do, right? We know that, that that's what this yantiv is all about. So, and I'll say one last thing. Every yantiv, when we daven, has, we say, biyom hasukot hazeh, zman, and then we refer to some of the day, right? Sukkot is the zman of, and remember? No, Sukkot, Sukkot, let's just go. Sukkot is simchatenu. Sukkot is the zman of our time. Pesach is zman cheiroseinu. And Shavuos is zman Matan right? This is, so like, like throughout the Yantiv, everything is about the receiving of the Torah from the laning to the dairy custom to the staying up all night to what we define the day is Zman Matan <coughs> What's the question then is, which you've all set up beautifully, if you were to read through the Chumash, there are five, six references to Shavuos throughout Chumash from Shemos all the way through, when the Torah references the Shalosh Regalim, of which Shavuos is one of the big three, six different times, there is one piece of information that is completely absent every single time. And that is the idea that Shavuos is connected to the giving of the Torah. It's not mentioned. Go through, we're going to go through just one or two or three just to highlight this point. If you were to read the Chumash, and someone were to ask, why do we have Sukkot, for example? What are we doing, Sukkot? So you would find a Pasuk that says, Leman yeidu dorosechem, in order that every generation should know, Ki basukot toshavti es b'nei Yisrael, that I caused the Jewish people to dwell in the booths when it took them out of Mitzrayim, and we have a yantiv to commemorate. There's a Pasuk, the Pasuk says. If somebody were to ask, just a reader of Chumash, why do we have Pesach? What are we doing on Pesach? So you would have many Pesukim that would explicitly say, I took you out of Mitzrayim. On this very day. And therefore, you will make a yantiv to commemorate Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. But if you read through the Chumash, and someone said, why do we have Shavuos? What are we celebrating? Now, if I asked everyone in this room, you would all say, what are we celebrating? And you would say, and that's why we lay in the Aseris Adibros, and the custom of dairy, and the custom of staying up all night, and that's why we say in the Machzor, Sman Matan Tarasen. But I say, no, 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 I'm reading the Chumash. If you were a reader of the Chumash and I were to ask this question, what are we doing on Shavuos? You would not say, because that's when we receive the Torah, because the Torah doesn't say it. It's simply not there. It's not given yet. So it was given. The first time Shavuos is referenced is true. By the way, I should acknowledge this is probably our last time having Anne together with us in person for this classroom as she's moving to Riverdale next week right after Yantis. So on, on the occasion of your asking that question and making that comment, we thank you for your participation. She'll be in good health. And we'll see you on Zoom. We'll see you on Zoom. The Torah goes through. But even after the Torah is given, when the Torah then describes the Yantiv, it still never connects it to the giving of the Torah. The Torah refers to it as a time of the first fruits, a time of the harvest, a time of agricultural celebration. There is not a single reference in the entire Torah that the Yantiv of Shavuos is connected in any way to the giving of the Torah. Now, it's true, if you figure it out and you calculate the 50 days from the end of Pesach, which the Torah tells us to count, right? The Torah also, Shavuos is the only yantiv which does not have a date. The Torah doesn't say what date to celebrate it. How does the Torah tell us to celebrate Shavuos? Right, count from the second day of Pesach, 49 days. Today is, by the way, which day of the count? 49th. 
Today's 48. We're there. And then you'll count 49 days, and at the end of the 49 days, you'll make a yantiv. But there's no date affiliated with that. The Gemara, in fact, has a debate exactly which date the Torah was given. But it's definitely right around the time of the end of the 50-day count is where the Torah was given. But the, the actual connection is simply not there. The Torah does not reference at any point that the reason for Shavuos is because we received the Torah. It's missing. It's a glaring, a glaring missing point. And the question of the question then becomes, why? What are we to make of this omission, the silence of the Torah about the Torah? What's, what's the meaning of that? Yes? Perhaps because once we have the Torah, we are constantly receiving that Torah through the times of our lives, very good. An explanation. We'll see something very similar to that as a as a potential answer. Very good. So we'll, we'll as as the question of what's the meaning? What are we to take of this? Do you want to see some of the verses inside? We'll take just a minute just to read uh, some of them inside. So the first one, the page that you open to, is page four thirty six. Is the very first reference ever to the idea of the shalosh regalim. This is still in Parshas Mishpatim, where the Torah is telling us. Uh, we just left Mitzrayim, and we have, uh, if you see on page uh, 437 on the left-hand side, you see, right, the three pilgrimage festivals. Let's begin with Pasuk Yedal, verse 14. Shalosh regalim tachogli bashana. You will celebrate three festivals with me. Eschag ha-matzos tishmor shivas yamim tochal matzos. For seven days you'll eat matzah. This, of course, is the yantav, what we know as Pesach. Kasher tzivisich lemoed chodesh raviv. Why? Right? The Torah connects. This holiday of seven days early matzah, we connect it because this is when you left Mitzrayim. Don't see my face empty handed. When you come to the Beis HaMikdash, you'll bring the various offerings. What about the next one? In verse 16. A festival of the harvest. The first fruits of your labor. Asher Tizrab Basadeh, that you planted. Nothing, nothing, all we know it as, what's it called? It's a Chag HaKatsir, Bikurei Masach, the first of your fruits. No other reference. And then V'chag Kwasif, and then the third is Sukkis, the time of the gathering of at the end of the year. So that first reference of Shul just calls it a Chag HaKatsir. It's a time of the harvest and of the first fruits. If you just want to point to another one, you could, we, we actually read these books together not so long ago. Flip to uh, Vayikra Perik Chav Gimel. This one you will find on page 680, 684. On 684, this was just a few weeks ago, Emor. We read these Pesukim again, as I mentioned, uh, inside. Verse 15. Right in the middle of the page there, 684, 685. Everybody got it? You don't need to keep your fingers on the previous page. We're not going back to that. You could just go back to 684. Usvartem lachem in verse 15. You'll count from the next day after you bring the korban ha'omer. Sheva Shabbat, you'll count seven weeks. Until the end of that period, you'll count. Vikraftem mincha chadosha. You'll bring a new mincha. Rabbi spoke about the korban omer is barley. And it's not chametz, which we bring on Pesach. And then 50 days later, we bring a mincha chadosha, a new offering. And that's going to be made out of wheat. And whatever, what, what was the other quality? Anybody remember? 
it's wheat and it is chametz. We went from barley, no chametz on the second day of Pesach, to wheat and chametz on Shavuos. And we're verse 17. Mimo shvosechem, taviu lechem tinufa. You'll bring these two loaves of bread. Chametz, and they will be chametz. Bikurim as a first offering. And then the Torah describes all of the offerings. And we, the Torah goes on. And what is not here? Nothing about... Dairy. Nothing about dairy, it's true. That's a custom. <laughs> custom of dairy developed much later. Custom of dairy developed much later. You want to know what? I'll, I'll tell you one thing in a second. But there's nothing about what the Yantav is about as far as Torah being. One of the main reasons why we actually uh, eat dairy also is there is a custom, as what we just read about, what was the main offering brought in the Beis HaMikdosh on Shavuos? The Shtei Alechem, the two loaves of bread, which were made chametz. They are made out of wheat and they were chametz. So how do we commemorate the two loaves of bread, which we cannot do on, uh, anymore without a Beis HaMikdosh? You certainly can't do it on Pesach. Anyway, we, we, they were not chametz, but on Shavuos they were made out of, we don't have a Beis HaMikdosh, so we can't bring the two loaves of bread. There was a custom to have two loaves on the table to commemorate them. But we always have two loaves. But you could do something different on Shavuos. Because if you start your meal with dairy, there is a, there is a very strong halacha that if you eat your bread with dairy, what can you then not eat your bread with after? Meat. Because in those days, you know, your bread was almost like your fork. You ate everything, you had spreads, and you had bread. That was the way you ate. So if you eat, if you have a meal with dairy, so you'd have a loaf of bread, and then if you were to have a, meat, a, a, a second meal with meat, then you'd have to bring in a new loaf of bread. And so the custom originally was not just dairy, only dairy. There are different reasons for the custom. So if you to go with the reason that we said earlier that they didn't know how to shecht meat, so then dairy. But it's yantiv. You're supposed to have a mean meal on yantiv. So you start the meal with dairy, and then you clear everything out, and then you have to bring in another loaf of bread for your meat meal after your dairy meal. And that would be also in remembrance to the to the two loaves of bread that were brought in the base of Mikvash because you needed one for your dairy and then one for your meat. If you're going from dairy to meat, yeah, as long as you're eating parv, if you don't, yeah, as long as you don't have hard cheeses, you don't have to wait between the dairy and the meat. And, um, and that way, that people who did that custom, of course they had meat meals on Shavuos. They just preceded it with some dairy beforehand. Um, and that, of course, over time has now become people of dairy. It's only dairy, fish, whatever. But that's just, that's not a minhag. That's just a custom. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. That's what I'm, I have the wrong word. Uh, it's not a law. Correct. No, these are, these are all various different minhagim. Those are various minhagim, 100%. Okay, so let's, let's talk this through. So now the question is, okay, we established, we didn't go through all of the different sources, but none of them, you'll take my word on it. None of them reference the Torah as being connected to Shavuos, even though that dominates our experience of Shavuos. So the question, of course, then becomes, why? What is missing? So there are many explanations that have been offered over the centuries. I want to share three uh, with you, each one of us had, which has uh, uh, a lot to teach us about this particular concept. Let's start with the uh, Kliyakar. The Kliyakar is one of the classic commentaries. This uh, references and touches on what Sandra, Sandra said a few moments ago. What's the biggest problem, I'll, I'll phrase it as, as follows, what's the biggest problem with Mother's Day or Father's Day 
in the world we live in, in the secular world we live in that has a Mother's Day on the calendar and a Father's Day on the calendar. What's the biggest problem with that? Sunday. Right? But they, what was you going to say? They don't have a Sunday. They don't have a Sunday. Okay, no, I'm saying, but the, big, the, the, the philosophical problem with it. What's the philosophical? Right? If I have one day on the calendar that I have to be nice to my mother, if I have one day on the calendar I need to give her a card and make her breakfast in bed, what about, what happens to the rest of the year? Like, it's okay. I don't really have to deal with it because these days, if I don't give her a card, I'm in trouble. If I don't make her breakfast, if I'm not nice. Like, on Mother's Day, you're not nice to me. But like, every other day is like, you know, whatever. Now, we, of course, and somebody already said it, and of course, we Jews, I'm sure everybody does, but certainly we Jews are like, no, every day is Mother's Day. Because there's this, like, we don't want to get caught I don't want to get caught assuming that it's really one day. Now, Mother's Day, we'll say that about, right? You know, every day is Mother's Day. I'll give you another example that really highlights this. What's, what's the pro and con with Memorial Day coming up? <clears throat> right? So if I have a Memorial Day, so, so we, that's a separate issue that we've totally destroyed the day. But I'm not even talking about the fact that we've ruined the day by making it into a celebration and barbecue. Even if we did it right, like they do in Israel on Yom HaZikron. Let's say, but what's the problem when you have a day designated as Memorial Day? So, right? So the, the, the positive is, oh, we have a day to remember, which is good. Because if you didn't have any day, then maybe nobody would ever stop and thank the soldiers who gave their lives for the, for the security of the country. But when you do have a day, it allows you to highlight that day. Today we remember the soldiers. And then every other day... I don't need to. It's not my problem. On Memorial Day, I'll do it. This is a day designated for that. So on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we can say, no, every day is Mother's Day. But nobody says that about Memorial Day. That is, this is the day to acknowledge, and every other day, out of sight, out of mind. Unless, of course, you lost the loved one. But for the country, that's not. So the Kliyaka takes the approach of the Torah itself did not want to designate Shavuos as the day of the giving of the Torah. Because then it would send a message of, today celebrates, today acknowledge. And the fear is that it should never become a day in which, yeah, 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 that once a year we're going to take out the Torahs, once a year we're going to open up the Aron and say we have them, but every other day, well, we'll just, it doesn't matter. It's like not relevant to our lives. Now, thank God this is, this is a point which I hope sits and says, like, no, that's not true. We celebrate. I, I, that's exactly the point, that it should be all year something that we celebrate, all year something that we learn. And it, it, the Torah's fear, so to speak, uh, he doesn't quite say it that way, but that, uh, that it would be designated as a day, and then that would absolve us of acknowledging every other day. The way that he phrases it as, really every day that a person studies Torah is like it's new. He derives and develops new ideas, new concepts, new understandings, so that it is actually new. And when a Jew invests him or herself in the studying of it and always feels and reaps these new insights, every day is a Kabbalah Satora. Every day is new. I I never knew this before. That's like the greatest phrase. You know, sometimes we get so... Uh, colored by what we think. Sometimes you learn something new, like, I don't ever heard that before. I never knew that before. Like, as if that's a bad thing. 
In some ways, yes, there's things that we should hopefully know by a certain stage of life, but there always should be signs. There's a new insight. I just had a new understanding. Like there's a certain age that we're supposed to hit where we're like, oh, I'm done. I, I've heard it all already. I, I, I mean, I know that. No. The greatest of the sages were studying their whole lives, constantly seeing new depths and new insights into the world, the endless world, and the sea of Torah. And when you have a new insight of, oh, I didn't, I, yeah, I knew that idea, but I never had that insight. I never had that perspective before. And there's this freshness, this newness that a Jew is always supposed to have, so it should always be like a new Kabbalah Satorah. And so therefore, that approach, is, we don't want to highlight a specific day that put it on the calendar like, this is the day. It always really should feel that way, like there's something new. Now, we do celebrate it because it is special, the day that we got it, but the Torah doesn't want to make that connection so as not to pigeonhole it, put it in the box. This is the calendar date. Every other day is not relevant. And that's, uh, that's his approach. Second approach, uh, a second approach comes from the uh, Sforno, uh, Rebovadia Sforno, who was a classic commentator also in the Chumash. He has a simple one line on this discussion. The Kliakar has a... Uh, has a much longer discussion. I, before I even move on, I should actually just add um, one point. He connects, he connects this idea of the giving of the Torah, which the Torah doesn't itself mention, but hints at, because what's the offering that we bring on Shavuos, which we spoke about just a few moments before? The two loaves of bread, which are specifically made of wheat, and they are chametz. All year round, you can't bring chametz into the base HaMikdash. So the Kliyakar has a whole... Uh, philosophical approach, chametz represents, in the words of the sages, very often the Yetzirah, our drive, our inclination for all sorts of things that we're not allowed to have. And so in the Beis HaMikdush, you're not allowed to have it. All year round, it can, it doesn't go there. The Sa'or should be Isa, the yeast in the dough is the way the sages refer to that. But the, the hint that the Torah has, that Shavuos is really all about the Torah, is because on the day the Torah was given, what do we bring into the Beis HaMikdush? We bring in the chametz. Because in the Gemara's languages, the Gemara has a beautiful phrase, Barasi Yetzirah, I created a Yetzirah, Barasi Torah Tavlan, and I created the Torah as its like spice, or sometimes translated as an antidote. Like, a Yetzirah without the Torah to rein it in will, will run rampant and be a destructive force. But Hashem gave us, He created us, He gave us everything that we needed to succeed, and He gave us the Torah with which to guide and direct. So, the, so what's the hint that Shavuos is all about the Torah? Because it's on this day that you're allowed to bring chametz, which represents the, the bloated self sense and that gates. You bring it into the base. Today is the day that we can handle it. Today is the day which we have the guide of the Torah that we're able to, uh, to do. So. Okay. to get rid of the chametz because otherwise you bring chametz in your kitchen you got a problem <laughs> yeah yeah probably a blowtorch I mean they have all year because they would bring it in Shavuos time and it's not Pesach another for another 11 months so I assume they clean the base and make this pretty regularly they were able to do so good Kohana Kohana was the reason they were very uh, with great alacrity they acted so the Ravavadio Sforno writes, again, in one line, and addressing this question of why is the Torah not referenced, it's a really beautiful insight. So if you think about the Jewish people coming out of Mitzrayim, so they get to Harsinai, uh, seven weeks after they leave Mitzrayim, they receive the Aseris Hadibros, Hashem's voice booms out from Harsinai, Moshe spends another 40 days and 40 nights up on Harsinai, and then they miscalculate when he was going to come down. <coughs> 
they're off a little bit, and that's the whole story with the golden calf. That happens on the 17th of Tammuz, 40 days after Shavuos, and then he dominates for another 40 days not to be destroyed, then he goes up to receive the Torah again, and comes back on Yom Kippur with the host. That's the whole, that whole cycle of the season. So the Sforno says, that first experience at Harsinai, where we hear the Asera Sadibros, and then Moshe comes down 40 days later, that ends in disaster. That ends in dancing around a golden calf and smashed luchos and Moshe needing another 40 days just that we should survive to then him go up again, come back on Yom Kippur. So the Torah doesn't want to highlight the day that we received the Torah and celebrate that because we, that, what, that was a failure, so to speak. That was a disaster. It was the second set that we held on to, that we kept. I should say that we kept the, what's known as the shivrei luchos. We kept the broken pieces of the luchos. They traveled together in the Aron. Gemara talks a lot about that idea of maintaining and holding on to the broken shards of the luchos. We never disposed of them. We kept them. But the incident, so to speak, of we received the Torah, as much as Anyanta, we're going to make a big to-do, because it is, but the Torah was like downplayed a little bit of like, you know, this didn't actually end well. This was like the middle of the story. And it wasn't until Yom Kippur that we received the second luchos, we received the forgiveness, and we move forward from that. So the Torah doesn't want to highlight too much a direct connection because of the fact of what happened, which I think is really, you know, as much as all we're going to talk about on Shavuos is the giving of the Torah and receiving of the Torah, and, which is what we're supposed to, but it's like tinged with the sense of we fell short on that for first instance and needed uh, a second go-around to actually receive the Luchos. And therefore, the Torah itself doesn't want to particularly highlight that. So then in reality, it really is not Matan Torah because we didn't receive it. So it's the Zman, it's, well, again, Matan Torah is the giving of the Torah. We, right? As opposed to Kabbalata Torah, which we received and then had to throw in to get another one. There's a lot of talk about that also. Is that there's two phrases. We use Kabbalata Torah, receiving and giving. Right? Zman Matan Torah is from Hashem's perspective that he gave it, which he did. We weren't ready to, to receive it. But that's all part of this confusing episode. It says that's why the Torah itself doesn't necessarily highlight it, even though that's what happened on the day, but because it has that aspect. Interesting, uh, interesting thing. Lastly, I want to share Maharal. Of course, that's what we've been studying all year round, commenting on uh, the Maharal regularly. He has a fascinating approach to this question as well. And his approach is based on the fact that when the Torah creates a yantiv for us, the essence, the definition of the yantiv is that it has to be a zman of simcha. It has to be a celebratory day. Makes sense, right? That's why we have such a yantiv. So he says Pesach is certainly celebratory. What are we celebrating? Chayrusen. we're free. Wonderful. Sukkot is celebratory. Time of the simcha, whether it's from the harvest or they're going through the desert. It's all good. So he says, well, what would Shavuos be celebrating? So it would be celebrating receiving with the Torah. So he says a line, which I'm going to read for you inside, because you wouldn't believe me if I said it on my own, which I would appreciate. I thank you for not believing me if I would have said this on my own. But I did. It's not mine. Maral from Prague says this. He says, the Torah could not mandate us to celebrate Shavuos as the giving of the Torah, Vehi Leol al Yisrael. The word ol, the Hebrew word ol means burden, a yoke. 
not an egg yoke, a yoke like you put on an animal when you want it to plow. It's a burden on Kal Yisrael. It's hard. He says, I'll prove to you how hard it is. Not that we need a proof, but he gives us a proof. He says, because there's a famous medrash that everybody knows, that when Hashem, before he gave us the Torah, he went around to all the nations of the world. And he said, would you like this gift of mine? And they all said, no, no. no thank you. He, the Medrash goes through, he went to Yishmal, he went to uh, Esau, he went to Edom, he went to uh, all the nations, and they went on it. And as the Medrash expresses it, he went to, they said, well, what does it say in it? And they said, well, you can't kill. It's can't kill. How can we live with the Torah? They said, you can't kill. And they said, you can't steal. And Shmuel said, we can't steal? What are you talking about? That's what we do. How come you not uh, tell us you can't steal? And each nation, he told them something in the Torah that like, went against what they felt was, and they said, we don't want it. We're not interested. So we also have lots of things in the Torah that go against what we would like to be doing on our own. Many things. We would provide. I know every single person in here has this deep desire, deep to wear shotness. I know. Okay, but you can't. Okay, so we have to like we have to live our life with no shotness. That's hard. I know it's hard. But then they're really cleaning for Pesach is hard. Cleaning for Pesach is hard. We know we know that Shabbos, as beautiful as it is, sometimes is really inconvenient for something else that we'd like to be doing. That we can't for an event that we want to be at. For, it's, we all know. I don't have to go through all of it. You know, you get stuck in an airport and kosher food is hard to come by. Not in New York, but sometimes you can get stuck in an airport. And other, there are other cities in the world. I, I, I'm, there are other cities outside of New York. They don't have kosher food in the airports. So you get stuck there. You get stuck on a trip. You're out in uh, wherever, Utah, Nevada. It's hard. It's, it's, it's simply hard. I don't need to tell you about the expense of Jewish education. I'm not even going there. So the morale says, I'm going to make you celebrate. I'm going to make you celebrate that which nobody else wants. Nobody else wanted. It's hard. It's a burden. It's going to be expensive. I can't mandate, the morale says in the Torah's own language, can't mandate you to celebrate that which is a burden. So the Torah describes it as a day of the first fruits, the day of the harvest, count 50 days. But the Torah doesn't say that. Who then, this is the beautiful part of this whole concept, who then makes it into a celebration of the giving of the Torah? We do. It's not it's such a beautiful thought. The Torah says, like, I can't mandate this on you. The Jewish people say, what greater gift is there in the world other than the receiving of the Torah? How beautiful is this? How amazing. How amazing. How sweet it is. So we say, we're going to stay up all night learning. We'll have cheesecake. We're going to call it Zaman Matan Torah We're going to lay in the Aseris Divros. We're going to say, this is amazing. What else, what else would we want in life other than a life of Torah mitzvos? And that is actually the beauty of the Yantiv in which the Torah says, I took you out of Mitzrayim, you'll celebrate Pesach. Okay, it's going to happen. Like, that's why Shua says, I, this, you have to make this your own. You have to say, I want nothing more than this. I can't imagine a more beautiful life than this. Is it easy? Not always is it easy. Classic example. I'm sure I've said this many times in this forum, and you'll probably hear it from many more times. If you were to have somebody who wanted to become a bodybuilder, so he's sitting there, he's lifting weights. He's got a goal. He wants to look a certain way. He wants to be a whatever. So is that easy? If you were to watch a bodybuilder lifting these weights and working out, if you were just to be an alien from space 
and you were to like plop down into a gym and you would just see this person with another person guiding him. And you're like, more, do it again, do it again, two more. And you would see this person pour sweat, pouring off of their face and straining their body to a degree that you're like, that's not physically possible. And you would for sure assume, for sure, that the person standing over the weightlifter is his master and he's demanding this terrible punishment out of this person who's like lifting these weights and sweat boilers. And you say, no, 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 no. That guy with the weights in his hand, he's paying him. <laughs> he is willingly paying that guy to work him like this. You say, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it doesn't. But the reason why people do that is because if that's a goal you have, you want to be that bodybuilder. The only way to get there is really, really hard work. And if that's what you want, so then you'll pay someone to help you get there, even though this, the observer would look at the scene and say, whoa, what in the world is going on? No, no, that's what I want. And so with every strain of muscle, I'm closer to my goal. I am happy even as I sweat right, and suffer. So how could you be happy while you suffer? Well, if I understand there's a direct link, link from my suffering to my goal, then I'm happy. In life, we don't always see the direct link between the difficulties of life and our goals. That's why we think we have these sets of goals and whatever difficulties we're going through are pulling us away from them, which is why we cry rather than rejoice. But in the big picture, in the divine scheme of things, every difficulty that we have is moving us towards our goal, even though we don't necessarily see it, which is why it's, that's why Chazal is that we make a brach of dayan ha'emes when bad things happen. We don't say, oh, this is great because it's, it, it, it's bad. It's hard. But in the big picture, we're, we're, we're moving towards something. In a less dramatic example, when we clean for Pesach, when we get ready to be when we have no shotness and we don't have kosher food and we struggle and we, still, we make it through, we're becoming the types of people that Hashem wants us to become as religious, spiritual people closer to us. And therefore, but we say that's a joyous occasion. We have to say that I want this. This is the sweetness. Now, it's, it's A, it is sweetness, and it's sometimes hard, but I want all of it because that's my goal. That's the agenda. That is what I uh, want to be able to, uh, to accomplish. And so therefore, in the, I'll let me get to your question in a second. So in the morale's understanding of this, so the Torah is silent, can't force it. But we scream from the mountaintops, Zman Matan Torah We make a yantiv out of the ability to have Torah. Uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein used to was complain, people used to have a, uh, a Yiddish phrase, I'm sure you're all familiar with, you know, Shver to be a Tuzayin Yid, right? So that's fair, fair. That's not what we want to teach our children. This Susanna Yid. What a great life. Now, again, obviously, coming, this is, you know, you come out of the war, you tell somebody it's sweet, it's a t- difficult uh, argument to make. But, um, but the, the idea that we are taking it upon ourselves, uh, we are taking it upon ourselves to be, to be uh, joyous, to be excited, to celebrate, that's how it takes us. A quick review. So the, get the question of the Kliyakar understood because every day is new. Every day is a receiving of the Torah. The Torah doesn't want to put it on one day and sort of absolve us from feeling that every day. Every day to feel that way, one day we do make a big deal of it. So it's, for us, it's like Mother's Day. We really celebrate it today, but every day is Mother's Day. That's how, that's how we have to experience it. 
And we have the idea of, you know, that there was a little bit of a downside on the original giving of the Torah. We didn't make it out okay. The, the luchos didn't survive. They were broken. So we don't want to highlight it too much. And lastly, the maral of the Torah can't mandate us to celebrate that which is difficult, but we ourselves will take it upon ourselves to do so. Yeah, question. Okay, now, I didn't go to yeshiva, so if anybody thinks this is a foolish question, I apologize. But I was told that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from, from the heavens, he came down with the Ten Commandments. He didn't come down actually with the Torah. It was given to him in his mind and he wrote it. Is that true? Okay, or so somebody th- gave me a bubble like No, 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 no. This is this, this is an important, but this is it, it's there's a complicated discussion of the timeline. Originally at Har Sinai, which is what we're about to go through, Hashem gave the Aseris Hadibus. The first two we heard from Hashem himself, the other eight from Moshe. That was the event at Har Sinai. But that's not the Torah. No. Then Moshe, we, there's nothing tangible. We heard 10. Then Moshe goes up for 40 days and 40 nights. He is taught the entirety of the Torah. And then he's going to come down with the luchos now with the 10 in them, which we had heard 40 days prior, and the knowledge of the rest, which he was going to then teach us. That's when he breaks the luchos, 40 days davening, another 40 days. And then he spends the next 40 years actually teaching. The Gemara has a debate, when was the Torah written down, that he then taught us piece by piece. One opinion of the Gemara is that every piece that he taught, he wrote down, so that it expanded until we got to the very end. Another opinion was it was all written down at the very end as one big unit. So, so yes, that's, this is a big discussion, and there are various opinions in the Gemara about how certain things went, but yeah. Was it written in Hebrew? Yeah, yeah the, the, what we have it now is the original language, yeah. 100%. Okay, two points.